Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we travel north and continue our season previews with Sotgamo, Patioki, and Kempele. Plus, we have all the latest news as the season has finally started. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host Ian Alba and joining me in the bright beautiful sunshine of the warm summer's days we now have is my friend from across the pond. It's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? It's daylight over there. It's daylight over here. It's like our time zones have synchronized. I know this is great. I'm glad. I'm glad we do this. It's like I'm glad we do this during the day now for both of us. Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be on the show as well. And of course, our resident uh, coach and guru in all things Pespalo, it's Miko Pirhanen. Miko, how are you doing? Doing well. And actually, when I look at it, there's there's also like daylight even over here at the, at this time. So it's uh it's starting to feel like Pespalo season in every sense. Well, the season's now started. It's that real summer vibe now starting to come alive. Um, we've seen some great um, games to, to start off with. A lot of um, power hitting from uh, teams like uh, Vimpoli, from Sotkamo and Yoensu. Um We'll talk about that a little bit now in the news section. So we'll, we'll talk about the latest developments. One of the things I've noticed... We talked about on the last podcast the likelihood that we'd see some of the fixtures shifting so the home teams would become the away teams um, or maybe some of the games would be postponed. Um, That started to happen, obviously, in the more risky areas for um, COVID. In particular, KPL mentioned that they couldn't play to empty stands, um, Hervinka as well. They had to delay uh, their home games. Um, how have those things been received in Finland, Mikko? Well, it's just common sense because the like the differences between the regions were so huge. And uh, like one of the main uh, examples, one of the best examples was that uh, the game between Hamina and Joensu was like scheduled to be played in Hamina and they switched it around so that Joensu played their home game uh, last Wednesday as the like it was the first game for both of those teams and at that point it was like the allowed capacity of people uh, inside the stadium was 1700 in Joensu and 6 not 600 but 6 in Hamina so it's like uh, it's a no brainer but but things are loosening up a lot like uh, rapidly so that for example uh, the first game in Johansu was played with 1700 people and the and the second game two days later the the officials allowed uh, 2600 people in so it's like uh, things are opening up and hopefully there are no negative surprises but uh, it's starting to look like it's going to be in another good season and the vaccine program is progressing and stuff like that so we are uh how should i say it? We, I, I think that the atmosphere is extremely hopeful uh, and uh, positive at this time well that's fantastic to hear and of course um we, we talked about hamina and their their followers their fans um allowing only six in to the stadium it seems absolutely balmy 
Um, so I'm glad that they managed to shift those fixtures around. I, I must say, um, I, I followed a lot of sports across the world. And in, in Super Pesis, the, the Pespalolito, the federation, they managed to be very flexible and adapt to things time and time again where lots of other sports don't. And I think it's great to see that they do that. I know, obviously, some people will still criticise them and and so on and so forth. But, um, Ron, can you imagine uh, having to shift the fixtures for a Major League Baseball um, season? It would be a logistical nightmare. Right. It's, you're right. You're right. You're right. Here, here certainly, even, even on the college level, you just don't have the same sort of speed and efficiency being able to change fixtures on the on the dime um, takes a lot more a lot more bureaucracy involved. So it is cool to see the responsiveness. Last season too was obviously a really good example of that, but it's good to see it still existing. And of the games themselves, um, I touched on at the very beginning. Um, we saw some very high <laughs> run scoring uh, affairs. Um, Yonsu scored 23 runs in their opening game. Um, Sotkamo scored 25 in their opening game. Um, I, t- I totted it up, uh, the, the top three. So Yoensu, Avimpli and Sotkamo, they scored 102 runs in their first two games each and conceded only 31. Bearing in mind that that included um, the uh, Kempele game. Uh, Sue, where Kempley just had that blowout second year. So, um, so it's, it's all positive news, all uh, great to see some of the um, teams doing well. Um, I was a little disappointed with the way that Kite uh, approached the season. They've been a bit flat, I felt. Um, they haven't really um, set the stage alight. They've uh, struggled in both of their opening games. Um, what what was your take on them, Miko? Well, I think you're absolutely right because uh, their approach has been hampered a bit by by injuries, obviously, and uh, because the, their their roster cannot handle those players missing from the starting lineup. And even though they have now now quality players that they didn't have last year, like like Sami Paratanen, for example, but he's not still a hundred percent fit. He was able to play as a joker in Wimbledon, but not on the outfield. And they have to make like emergency calls and switch places and take like sixteen-year-old um, kids to the outfield, and that just tells you all about their material that once they get once they hit the stride again and of course in their opening game they were able to eventually win the game against Patioki but they they were Patioki was the better team by far and uh, so and when they went to Bimbeli, which is a tough place, especially this year for anybody with their firepower to to visit and uh, with key players like Hannes Beckin and Sabi Paratanen missing, uh, especially their outfield played, it, it was a nightmare game. And uh, believe me, I, I've been there on on that outfield when, when there when those cannons start to like fire, and it's it's not a pleasant place to be. Believe me, you're you're just. Uh, you better let's just put it that way that you you better have like four pairs of spike shoes that you can still have like some dry ones at the end of the game because you're gonna you're gonna swim a lot when you go when you go there and they start to hammer you down so but those young guys they they learned their lesson and uh one thing that i would like to mention that obviously can be seen in the uh, final scores of the games is that the consensus within the game and among the people who follow the games and are have been around the game for years and de- decades uh, everybody's saying that the technology of the balls has once again evolved 
and developed so that the ball that they are using this season it's not like it's not like in baseball that they would say that okay now we have a different kind of a ball or something like that but it's just the technology just keeps on evolving and the the ball that is now used in the games both in men's and women's games it's like it's it's just traveling incredibly fast it's like uh, and, and you you know from like from baseball that uh, the velocity makes a huge difference uh, in in any kind of a situation. And I just remember that when I watched um, watched the game between Kempele and Wimpele, the season opener in in Kempele, and the commentators were like speculating just before Wimpele sta- uh, started their game that. Is Peretoruska somehow affected by the fact that he's doing his army service right now? And his first hit, that that he hit like a, 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 like a baseline hit to the third base side. There's there's not a single person in the world who would have caught it. And I just watched it on replay like 15 times, and I was like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a hit that hard. And so it's like even the commentator said that nope. He's not affected. It's like <laughs> the dude can still hit the ball. Well, it's um, it's one of the things we'll talk about uh, when we look at the sort of previews. I know the season started, but we're we're still talking previews where we'll think uh, the teams will finish later on. But it is great to see um, Petruska, um still being that uh, superb hitter, and it's interesting to see him uh, back at the plate and still developing as a pitcher as well. One of the other um, sets of results that, that caught my eye um, was the Silenjarvin games. Um, their opener against Sotkamo, last year's champions, was horrific. And <laughs> there were points in the game where I was thinking, just stop, just, just you know, there needs to be like some kind of mercy rule or something. You know, to, uh, to go 25 runs... Uh, down is is just horrific, but then you see the game on Sunday where Sipe at home beat last year's silver medalists KPL, and they did it winning both Yakso, so they take away three points. But what it means to them has got to mean so much more. Um, do you agree, Ron? I do. It's. I mean, I think that you know, athletes. You know, Biko talked about this more than me. But you know, as a coach, even you know, you get you get beat on the head pretty bad. The thing isn't for your team to sit on that, right? Like you fix things you got to fix. You come back out in the next match and you sure you got it. And for them to come back and do that against KPL against a really tough KPL team um, is is a big deal. Um, and it should give them a lot of confidence. They all hit pretty well. Um, too. You know, a lot of guys in that lineup. I mean, really, it was all sort of. Uh, Hey, Nanan, who I love, who like six for eight or something like that, crazy. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I think I think anytime you can do that, you can come back after after a t- after a tough loss is super important. And hopefully, now you can keep the momentum going, right? Can you can you build on that, or is it what is it a one off? Well, we talked about them being a very entertaining team to watch uh, in the last podcast, and I think that's certainly true. Um, whether you're rooting for them or not, that there's bound to be. Um, some some really interesting uh, uh, plays in the game. Um, so that's some of the uh, games that have caught certainly caught my eye in the the opening stages of the season. But one of the things that um, we've also been talking about is uh, fantasy, Pespolo. Now we we talked about that in one of the earlier um, podcasts, and we were hoping that somebody would put a platform out there, a, a new platform, but that hasn't happened. Um, so me being me, I've decided to um, sort of do my own. Um, now, I know we've all been thinking of uh, players we want to to pick. So we'll work on a kind of weekly basis where we'll pick players. I've picked my list. I know, Miko, you've started picking some. Ron, you're a little late to the party uh, picking some of those. Right. Still, we're still behind. Getting caught up. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as the... Uh, as the season progresses, um, but it's basically a point scoring system that rewards uh, hits, home runs, runs, and RBIs, but also 
uh, awards fielding teams um, for the uh, number of runs allowed under 10 and how many third base situations they successfully defend. What did you think about some of those concepts, Miko? Well, to be honest, I think it's the most, uh, how should I put it, uh, probably the most detailed version of fantasy baseball that I've seen. Because the the one that the one that was in use like for years and years and years, it was like I, I, I might have mentioned it earlier that we we basically in, invented that one that uh, it worked on the same principles as the stock market does. So it basically did that. Okay, uh, it only counted like some the things you do at bat or or, or runs. Like those were the things that that got you points. And then you could buy players and sell players, and like that ratio that determined the price of the player for the next round. So it was like it. So it was stock market basically. But this is like this is a different kind of an. A, approach and uh i think it's it's more than worth of uh developing throughout the season so we can see how it takes place in uh then then we'll see what's the like the best version of it but uh, i think that the start is uh, like phenomenal it really can be a hit within the community well i I'll have to try and figure out how I'm going to upload it as a platform at some point in the future. But uh, anybody who listens is, is free to, to sort of play along, uh, and I'll be uploading the uh, points results um, uh, as frequently as I can. But yeah, I, I, I just um, you know, obviously us three, we've been playing our fantasy baseball, um, uh, the MLB, for quite a few weeks now, and um, you know, it's been. It's been great fun uh, doing that, and I really wanted to just kind of build on this uh, new statistics program we've got. Unfortunately, some of the <clears throat> new statistics aren't uploaded in the in the way that I'd want them to be uploaded um, on the live screens. So you don't see each individual match stats for, for example, uh, moving the non-point runner. Um, and so on and so forth. So that that that's something hopefully that will be developed um, on the stats system going forward. Um, if other statistics categories uh, open up as well and are recorded on the live game feed uh, in real time as well, then it'll make this fantasy game much easier uh, and much more detailed. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see that... Um, it certainly sparks an interest. Um, Ron, are you looking forward to a, a fantasy Paspalo season? Um, so like, like Miko said, it's really, really detailed. No surprise from you, our, our detail savant. Um, but uh, um, I will um, I will try to figure out how to render it into us. Into, into, I mean, I've got too much going on, but I'll try to get this built into some kind of uh, into some kind of usable, usable software thing for you all to be able to view on the web. That my contribution, but yes, it's great. Also, fair listeners, the reason that Ian is really excited about the uh, Major League Baseball Fantasy League is because he's still atop the the table in that league, and he just <laughs> uh, he's uh, modest. He doesn't want to brag about uh, his success, but uh, but then we we had a little rule change, and so he was in first, he went to third, and he's back in first. He's maintaining his lead. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to point that out. So you know, just just wanted to give a little props, you know, for now. You know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the, the rule change um, was to try and level things out between um, pitching right. points and, and right. batting points in MLB. And um, it, <laughs> it had the consequence of putting me back into first place because <laughs> it retroactively added all of the points. And it just. But it's been great. It's been very competitive. It's, I like what you've done too because I think this will also be a very a fun and competitive way to. To, to you know, I think for people who are new to the game, like people who listen to this, probably who are you know English speaking types, who might listen to this podcast, um, it could be a way for you to get to know some of the players on the different teams. Like you know, like when you first start listening to this podcast, you're like, "Who's that? What? Where? Huh?" And this could be a fun way to you know easily kind of start to figure out who the players are, where they what positions they play, 
so if nothing else, you know, dive in. Don't feel like you need to be good at it. Just use it as a way to sort of, you know, guide your way through the game. Well, you're absolutely right because when I've um, when I've picked up new sports, I've always looked for a fantasy angle there, and, and certainly things like MLB, NFL, um, even with sumo wrestling. Just being able to do some kind of fantasy sport helps you recognize the names, helps you um, latch on to people, latch on to players. Yeah, you know, if you haven't even found a team yet that you want to support, you can start to kind of pick up on these vibes, the, the, the way these players play and so on and so forth. Um, and you never know, it might help you pick a, a team to support. The final thing I wanted to talk about in the news really is um, mostly to do with our our co-host, uh, Miko. You've um, you've been involved for some time with the Portolino project and you know, we, we've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast, but now finally we've been able to see the Portolina podcast itself and the website is now available. And, you know, I, I look at the, the numbers uh, online and you've got some incredible numbers of people um, listening, downloading, um, viewing the website uh, and, and so on. Um, How has the podcast been received with the industry itself? It's a positive start. Uh, now it's like uh, the the people within the game are like starting to find the right places for the right podcast, and, and that's the main thing. That now there are different kinds of podcasts available. Whereas like five years ago, we were in a situation that where there were none, and now there's like a really commercial podcast hosted by like my former uh player doing and to be honest he's doing an exact replicate of the most successful sports podcast and the most successful podcast in finland for three years in a row and he's got sponsors there and stuff like that but we are taking a more like uh uh, like our first guest Harry Urte put it that we are more like the pro football focus of uh, Pesapallo so it's like uh, we we are the nerds of of this game and uh, that's that's the that's the angle that we want to put into that and uh, it's it's been a fun start especially as I've learned a lot about the like the technical aspects of these things and uh, in terms of both the uh, podcast and the website, it, it really feels like that now things are starting to roll because now we got through the season previews and the first like episode before that. And now that we are starting, it's like uh, we're getting messages, we're getting uh, people are asking for us to do like theme shows theme theme podcast episodes of different kinds of things and we are doing those in the upcoming weeks and uh, in terms of the website it's like this is this is something that i haven't even had like the the opportunity to even discuss with you but it's been going on for for today that now that uh me and Pereto Hatala, we have like uh uh, we finished some of the other projects we were working with uh, up until this week. Now we decided to like put our efforts uh, into this website and concentrate on that, like we were like planning to do. So it, it means that Berto is basically moving his blog to this platform and I will also be writing on a regular basis and creating content there and uh like and also being a uh, a visible member of the social media is is something that uh i will definitely try to do and uh let's see how it pans out because uh i think that the need is there and the people just need to like uh the way that i i think about it is that uh, within this game, we know what people need in terms of information. I really don't think that the people within the game know know it themselves yet. 
it's just, it sounds like arrogant, but it actually is true. That I, I think that the discussion within this game and within the community has been centered around the people, obviously, who are already inside the teams or, or in inside the federation. And otherwise, it's just... Uh, I, I, other people have been like feeding on crumbs and they, th then they are the people who make the loudest noise noise so to say so it's like it, it's a funny situation and it's like i've got absolutely nothing against fans vice versa i mean it's like i absolutely love it that people are able to have their voice in in social media about these things but uh what we need is like expert analysis and different kinds of voices and we need the commercial uh, angle we need uh, the talk and the uh, interviews of the players for especially for the younger generations and the like uh, being present on instagram and stuff like that and we are more focused on like being on twitter and facebook and on the websites and like reaching those audiences so it's uh, more of an expert angle and uh I'm I'm just uh, thrilled to be taking that forward. Well, I uh, I agree entirely. Um, if we don't move forwards with these things, then Pespola will get left behind because they're going to do it with ice hockey. They're doing it with ice hockey. They're doing it with football. Um, they're doing it with bandy and, and, and all sorts of um, other sports um, across Finland and even around the world. Um, and one of the things that always struck me with Pespalo is that it was a bit of a best kept secret whether that was intentional or otherwise it just seemed to be well you either know it or you don't um, and there wasn't any like you say analysis or explanation or, or discussion an open forum um, but but not a sort of back and forth of, of you know meaningless comments but but actually dissecting a game and that's really um, exciting to, to think that that's now coming to the fore. The uh, Portolini brand, uh, maybe I'm biased, but it, it seems like a, a, it's been an established brand already. You know, it's it, when it's come out, it's got such great uh, feedback that it almost feels like it's been there forever. But of course it hasn't. Um, Ron, what do you make of uh, the Portolini brand? Um, you know, again, kudos to for bringing this to life. Um, I was marveling the other day. I don't recall when it was watching something, and I was just like laughing at what you well, what Miko said about all the different there's so many different podcasts now, and like I can watch any game I want to watch. I can just click a button, and I can like go on the I can go on the site, and I can track the different things and see the stats. And I'm thinking. Wow, we've come a long way. And it wasn't even that long. Like everybody's every team has a Twitter or Instagram or something. They're somewhere talking to folks and they're posting things. And I'm just, you know, uh, not that anybody super important listens to what I'm saying, but just know that like certainly as a fan of the game from really far away, really appreciate how much effort people are putting into ensuring that this game has another another fifty years of life in it because of the work that we're doing now to amplify the game. Um, it's really, really cool. And I think Polyolina is a really cool site. Um, um, I think it's a great, great out, outlet and, and um, for the nerds of the game, right? Like, but I, I think I think it's really cool. I, I think it's a cool addition to this. But there's so much good stuff happening now, so much good energy around the sport. Because this is our moment. We're not going to get a moment like this again where Pesa Polo can, you know, you know, raise the. I want to stop being able. I will, I will, it will know the game has arrived when I'm not teaching Finns about baseball. <laughs> I can't meet Finnish people who are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't know anything about the game. I played it when I was eight. Tell me more, and I have to explain to them this game that that they live around. <laughs> so keep up, keep up, keep up, keep up the good work, everyone. <laughs> One of the interesting things about the Portolini project, as well, of course, is um, because we're twinned with. The, the, the podcast effectively we're, we're sort of brought into that umbrella um it's not just for the Finnish market and you know we, the, there are already a couple of posts upon the Portolini website in English uh, I know because I've written them uh, so I'm a bit of a guest writer uh, for some of those things in English but we're going to see a lot more 
um, content uh, going out in, in both English and in Finnish to try and really expand that um, that audience and, and the game and uh, follow through with that analysis as well. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the first part of the podcast uh, on the news. Um, and when we return, uh, we'll be diving straight into our previews and taking a trip up north. Uh, so we'll be looking at Sotkamo, Patioki and Kempele. Okay, uh, welcome back. So we carry on with our uh, season previews. We, we know the season's already started. It's poor timing on my part. I, I Perhaps the pessimist in me thought that maybe we'd have another delay. Um, but here we are. We're going to do whistle-stop tour of the north. In, in the northern group, I've, I've grouped together Sotkamo, Patioki and Kempele. Um, Sotkamo, of course, come into this um, as champions. Um a lot of their young players came through last season, especially towards the end. Uh, and we saw the rise of Apokomalainen, um, who w- was a fantastic uh, pitcher. And in fact, won the uh, junior championship and the men's championship in the same week, um, along with a couple of his um, other teammates, Kale Korsman and, and Konsta Kurika. But yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's fantastic young players coming through. Um, we'll talk about Vimpoli in when we go out west, but it, it's it's kind of interesting to see some of the younger players coming through at the same time almost. I think Sotkamo perhaps are maybe a year or two ahead. Um, at the end of uh, last season, of course, they officially um, said goodbye to Vili Valiaho, who now... Um, he's playing his trade with uh, Joensu and uh, Antti Korhonen and Topi Korhonen um, moved to Kempele. Um in their place Tony Laxo from KPL has joined their ranks um, we talked a little bit earlier on about how Sotkamo had that massive blowout win uh, against CP well they had another um, large win uh, the other day against Kankampang uh, my layer. Um For me, they're looking solid. I'd expect them to be in the top four without a shadow of a doubt, unless there's some catastrophic problems along the way. Um, but they really look the, the real deal uh, at the moment to me. Uh, do you think that's about right, Miko? It is. It's just... Just the short answer that they are on the right track. They they know they they know what they're doing, and uh, it also needs to be said that their their schedule uh, to start the season with has been like it's it's been a relatively or, or not even relatively, but it's been a, a very easy one, and uh, we have also realized uh, even at this moment that. Uh, right now, they're like they're the ballpark where they play their home games. It's like uh, uh, it's the surface of the pitch is the hardest by far of of any pitch uh, within the game, and it makes the ball travel super fast and it's very bouncy and it's it plays to the strengths of the team. So it, they're they're gonna be a hard team to beat, especially at home. Uh, but of course, they are question marks. I mean, uh, how how does Tony Laxa adapt to life and the game system of uh, of Sotkamo? It's like it's been known to be a very like disciplined atmosphere. Yanikomagari is a very disciplined leader, which can be a very good thing for Laxa. Uh, those players who went to Kempele are going to be hard to replace anyway. But uh, and it's still uh, still important to remember that when we are talking about these players that you mentioned, Apokomulainen, and uh, Kalle Kuosman and Konsta Kurikka, they are generational talents, and and even Sotkamo cannot like 
produce those kind of guys year after year after year, even though they are like uh, they they are regularly within like either they are the champions in the boys in the uh, young uh, oldest junior category or they are like at least in the semifinals. But it's a I think that one stat that can bring shed some light to people like outside the borders of Finland is that uh, we're talking about the starting pitcher of the championship team who was the pitcher when they won the championship and now that he started the the regular season he still has under 10 regular season games in his whole career in Superbasis and he's the defending champion so it's like uh, it it tells all about his ability, but we still don't know about the long ability of his like uh, performance levels, and that's also going to be uh, interesting to watch. That how does he like he now? Uh, he was the young like he he was the young guy who came and he challenged, he won, and he has all the abilities to be the dominating pitcher for the next 20 years or so. But now it's like uh, uh, to to quote an old sports term, even though the the guy turns like 18 this year or something like that, he is not anymore the hunter, he is the hunted. And that's like, it's a weird situation to be in when you're 18, that all, all the other teams are like uh, going through your every move and like detailing their game plans against you. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Well, he, he's not got the experience of, of some of the other more veteran pitchers in, in the league. And, and I agree entirely that this season's more the test than last year. Um, we, we know that he, he's done well in the youth system. And of course, he um, uh, he's in a great organisation. It, it'll be interesting to see whether he remains consistent throughout the season. I think he's got the talent to do it. It's just whether external pressures um, or whether other teams seem to figure out uh, a way around him. And perhaps maybe having the the easier starts to the season, um, as it were, against teams like Sipa and, and Kankampa, um, will help him with that. Maybe it won't, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. One of the other things that um, I always think of when I think of Sotkama last year is watching the outfielders kind of scramble and struggle at various points. Um, none more so than that game with Sarkenta, uh, Vimpoli game two um, last year. Um, do, do you see many weaknesses with this Sotkama side run? I don't know that it matters in the regular season. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, we can act, we can act like it matters. Uh, two things. One, it does matter in terms of players' composure and like whether a player can like you know do those things to level up, like the player you just talked about, but also for these other guys. But I think in general, when you're on a team like Sakamo, where like championships are what you get measured by, it's not making the playoffs, it's not making the finals. It's sure, okay, boy, yeah, that's cool. But you, the issue is winning the whole thing. And so when you're in that situation, when that's the that's the metric that you're, you're standing by, I think we're more we're curious about what we want to see from from you know from the outfielders or whatever else or from that whole team is 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 well one where do they where do they stand when the when the playoffs get here at the end of the season right are they a top three team if they're not that's probably a bad thing right um, uh, and then how do they look towards the end of the season and going into the postseason I mean last year they looked a little vulnerable. Um, you know, going into the postseason. It wasn't a foregone conclusion they were going to win the title last year. Um, and then they got in the playoffs and they turned into Sakamo again. They were like, oh, just kidding. You thought we were... So So I, I think for a team like Sakamo, I don't know that it, to me, personally as a fan, but also as, you know, uh, as, you know, watching them or whatever else with a critical eye, I'm, I'm more curious about... I'm curious about some of these sub-narratives as, as the first month or two go on. But... There's nothing I've seen in the first two games that makes me think that, that there's, there's going to be a drop-off in any way. 
Um, trust me, I hoped for one, <laughs> but but it's nothing. What I the first game, I'm like, oh, they're back to being sad. Okay, well, next channel. So that's what I would say about that. <laughs> they're the team you love to hate, Ron. Be honest, you love to hate them. <laughs> the thing about here's the thing I'll, I say. I say this to my Finnish friends. Um, the thing I that I've come to appreciate about you know American sports, especially probably other you know, sports too. But especially in American sports, you hate, you hate your rival. I mean, you hate your rival. Like you would, if they never win a game ever again, you're okay with it. And the thing that was fun about watching games in Finland and hearing, you know, being in Vimpoli, hearing, you know, these fans, these 70-year-old fans who have, you know, cursed, but have things to say about their opponents. When the game is over, they're all right, well, that's cool. Well, that's them. Okay, so it's uh, prediction time. Uh, South Como finished second in the regular season uh, last year. And ended up winning the championship. For me, this year, I think they're going to finish first in the uh, regular season. But and I mentioned this in the last podcast. I have I have an idea. I have a, uh, a suspicion that things will work out as follows. I think that Sotkama will uh, draw up against Vimpoli in the uh, semi-finals, and I think Vimpoli will win, and Sotkama will lose in the bronze match. And so they'll finish fourth, effectively. So that's my prediction. Uh, Miko, what do you think? Well, uh, any number between one and four is uh, just... It's just anybody's guess. But, uh, but okay, I will stick to the one that I, I I gave before the season. And that was them being second in, in the regular season. But it's just like Ron said that uh, if there's any organization within, especially this uh, game, but I would say that uh, even in Finnish sports uh, in general, there are only uh, only so many organizations that are built on the like the platform that okay they can sustain uh being like third or fourth uh, every now and then or even like they they are probably the the other team with the uh, Johansson who could like financially live with like uh not making it to the semifinals but that organization is built on the platform and on the idea of title or bust. So it's like uh, uh, Robert Koronen, he, he put it like uh, after last season uh, in his championship interview, uh, the, the reporter said that, okay, now that now you have 12 championships, you have four silver medals and two bronze medals. And he said that, listen, I've got 12 championships and who cares about the other medals? So it's like that that's that's what they're playing for. It's like he he's not interested in silver or bronze. It's like it's title or bust. And it's like that's that's what they're building this whole uh, system for. And Ron, where do you have uh, Sotkoma finishing? I'm with Miko. They're first. They'll finish first probably. Um um yeah. I I don't I don't know the you know, um, one or two, but I'll say one for giggles. We won't, we won't, I, don't even, I won't even jinx it. If I say first, it's not going to be that. Maybe they'll finish fifth. I say first. So, <laughs> no, I, I think that I think they're the, they're the team to beat. So moving on uh, through the northern teams, then we uh, head to Patioki. Now, last year Patioki had um, a relatively solid defense, Topikosan uh, pitching, of course. Um, pretty well, still one of the, the the top pitches, I think. Um, the biggest problem for them last year was how they struggled to generate runs, and that was no more so than when Yari uh, Turminen um, was injured, and all of a sudden they just seemed completely lost at sea. They couldn't. Um, winning enough games or scoring enough points in games that, that they should have been winning easily. And overall, they were they were fairly disappointing in the season. But as soon as Turbanen returned, I, I mentioned this last year, it was almost like um, the the hero returns 
just for the, the, the last couple of games before the, the postseason to make the playoffs and then it was this magical ending and so on and so forth. It was almost like some kind of Hollywood story. Um, it's a very fragile team and there's a lot of um, older players um, there. Of course, Sami Hapkowski as well. Topic Kostner I've already mentioned um, as well. Some good young players too. Um, but um, Timo Carlio um, has retired and we've seen a couple of um, uh, young players coming through. Uh, Simo Rahunen and uh, Timo Han Hisalo as well from Yonsu and Fimpley, uh, respectively. Um, Ron, what, what, what do you make of uh, Patioki this year? Um, it remains to be seen. This is the kind of team that, you know, you see this every season. Um, I think that my favorite thing about Pacers is the fact that you get these young guys that you never heard of. You don't watch the junior games. They come up and they make a high impact. Many years ago, a young, a young guy by the name of Pertubrisco showed up and, you know, drug his team to the, to the championship, okay? So, you know, a 15-year-old DH joker or something ridiculous. So, like, this happens. We saw it last year, you know, the pitching change in Sakamoto. So this is a thing that, and this is a team that I think could benefit from that kind of infusion later in the season. Some fresh legs, some young legs. I said this last season to, before the playoffs, and I'll say it again. I'm never going to count a team down with a, with a hop, hop, Koski in the lineup, managing a team. Never going to count a team like that out. I'm just not going to do it. And so this is the same thing with this team again. I think that that you bring those expectations. They've been in the playoffs. Okay, it didn't work out, but they've been there now. They've seen that. They have that as a milestone. And I think that can help drive you through a whole season. And so to me, you know, I don't know if we're doing prediction, but but I just say that, that to me, that to me, they're up. They can they can be a playoff team. Um, if they can stay in games through the season. Um, and I think Hapakosi is already showing that, that he's still got something. If you say he's got it, but he's got something. You know, um, that lineup through, if you look at the guys, you know, the games they play when they win, um, the game against Inamansa, um, no, they didn't win. But if you look at the, you look at the stats, like they're hitting the ball, they're making contact. Um, they're just not being able to convert it into runs. And so if they can figure that out, no reason why they can't be a top eight team. And we certainly saw when they played against uh, Kite the other day, uh, being the better team. I know they they ultimately didn't go on to win, and I I think that was one of their their main problems last year. They they just seemed to let games get away from them at certain points. Um, but they they certainly have something still about them uh, to be there. It's just very fragile, I think. And and Ron quite right as you say, you know. If there's some young players coming through, some names that we'll, we'll start to learn, um, they could be the difference. And all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about, oh, do you remember that year that Patioki made it all the way to final or made, won the championship and it was so-and-so? Um, it, it remains to be seen, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it, it does look like a, an interesting team to, to uh, monitor and watch going forwards. Um, Mika, what do you make of Patioki? Well, I would put it this way that they like I, I I liked one thing that Ron said there that as long as they can stay in the game, they they are a team that can hurt you. And we've seen that they I mean they can stay in the game against Manse and they can stay in the game against Kite and basically against anyone because their defense is kind of good. So it's kind of so they are kind of uh, they are the equivalent of uh, like uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers kind of a football team that just grinds out the games and stays within one touchdown and they're always like one 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 strike away from beating teams. But but then again, it needs to be said that I, I I've seen too many sequels of this team. So it's like even the guys that you mentioned, uh, like Rahunen is thirty, Hanisango is thirty, Zermanen uh, is forty, like like me. So it's like uh, I, I would say that they they won the championship basically with the same players in two thousand and eight, and I would say that that was Rocky two, and now we are watching Rocky five. So it's like they they are still thinking that do we have something in the tank, and and for me the answer is that probably not. I I I I cannot. I, I I thought that last year with Kalia still in the roster, who was one of my favorite players, 
uh, in the whole game. And I know that he was enormously respected, for example, in, in Sotkamo. Uh, for his like outfield capabilities and he was an intelligent player but I just think that they have way too many average players in their lineup to be honest and in so that I in this year when when the like the, the top five is so they are stacked with talent and I so I cannot see but competing with them but one thing I will say about them and the next team we're gonna be talking about Kempele that's gonna be fierce and it's gonna be something that I'm looking forward to because they have like it's 70 kilometers distance between them and they are fighting for the same spots and we have seen already in the like the preseason friendlies that they are sparks over there so it's like it's like it's gonna fire up at some point well, I remember um, the uh, Patioki Kempley game last year that um, Sami Hapkowski broke his uh, his record. Um, I, I reviewed it as part of the blog, and it was it was a really fierce competition between the two, and it was it had an electric kind of atmosphere. So, uh, like you say, Miko, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. We'll go on now to our predictions. Um, for uh, Patioki. Um, last year they finished eighth. Um, I think they were lucky to have managed to scrape back up to, to eighth given how difficult they found the middle part of the season. The battleground for the last few spots in the top eight is very fierce and it's very competitive uh, this year, I think, more so than last year. Um, nevertheless, in full disclosure, I'm wearing my Patioki. Uh, top that I got through the post last year, and it's uh, Sami Hapakoski as well. So um, I think they'll just about scrape it, and I think that they will make it into eighth again this year. But it's a it's a coin toss, really, whether it's them or somebody else um, who's around that level. And well, I suspect we're going to talk about one of those teams in a moment. Um, Ron, where do you see them finishing? My, my, my prediction for them, actually, Miko. Miko's points converted me. Uh, to me, they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they're a ninth place team. I think they're going to just miss out. I think it's, it's too many, too many, too many average things. And it just, you need those points early in the season to help you later in the year to get you over the hump. And I don't know that they're going to score enough points, you know, in the standings to be able to get themselves into, into the top eight. And, uh, Miko, where do you have them finishing? Well, I have them uh, at ninth in the standings, but I, I also need to stay, say that I, I have them at top three in terms of their new jerseys, their new uniforms, because they, they are like uh, with the with the yellow uh, yellow jersey and the black stripe, like the vertical stripe on it. It's like it's a classy move. And also the black black jersey with the yellow stripe. It's like uh, it's a good up upgrade, but I don't think that it will take them to the playoffs. So our final team uh, in the north, um, we've alluded to them, we've we've skirted around them for long enough now. It's uh, Kempele. Um, last year finished tenth. Um, for me, they were one of the surprises and, and exciting storylines to follow um, last season, along with Kite. Um But they they just seemed a little ragged um, around the edges. The the outfield wasn't very um, very good. They leaked a lot of runs. Um, they also scored a lot of runs. Um, one of the players that. Um, that I enjoyed seeing at bat was Ossie Marilainen, but of course he's now gone to uh, KPL, as we mentioned uh, in the other podcast. Um, in his place, however, uh, we have Antti Korhonen and Toppi Korhonen, um, who have joined from Sotkamo. And, well, for me, they are very exciting players to, to see um, back with uh, with Kempele. Since they um, were promoted... Uh, to super basis, they've been building and they've been building, and there's a lot of buzz around the team. There's still 
quite some young players and young core um, there who are really striving for that top eight place. And I think because they continue to build, because um, they have these um, this drive, and they're going to be one of the more entertaining teams to watch again this year. And I suppose some evidence of that um, is the uh, game at Karubi the other day where um, they put 11 past Johansson in the second Yaxo. Mika, what do you make of Kempeli? Well, there's there's so many things that I uh, would like to say about this team, but uh, I think that the main point is that they have the best team in their history of, of the entire organization. And like you said, they have been building the whole system like for years and years and years. And there are some, some people uh, who have the passion and ra- rational thinking behind it who are building this team and this organization. And you cannot lure players from... Sotkamo, unless you are doing something right, because they are not overpaying those players like handsomely. They are, they are paying them, but it's like Jussi Korhonen came last year, who was the year before that we were discussing that is he the best outfielder in the top four teams? And they, the year before that, they were absolutely leaking runs. They, they conceded the most runs in the league. And, and last year it started to get a little better, even though they were still leaking runs. But getting Antti Korhonen is a big upgrade. He's one of the best infielders in the game. And he adds a lot of firepower. And he's a, he's an established all-star player. And in terms of firepower, Osimirilane, yes, I, I like him. I like him as a person and I like him as a player, but he to be honest he hasn't had the kind of a season that he had with KPL like is 7 8 years ago and now that they have uh, Matti Koronen and Marko Pelkonen as jokers those are like those two can strike fear into any team and and we saw that in at Kerobi because the the fence is going around the the pitch in Joensuu, actually saved the home team. That Kempele should have actually walked away with the, uh, three points and should have scored a lot more runs than than they did. And they scored like th- 14 in total or something like that. So it's like uh, they are going to be interesting to watch. And their pitcher, Jani Lassila, has uh, developed even now he's 30, around 30. But he has developed over the last two years. Like, for example, Pertu Hautala has been complimenting him for his pitching. And Pertu is one of the pitching experts in this like game. And uh, there's so many good elements. And also they have some new guys who can, who can add to their uh, ability to, to win the so-called win, to, win the bases by running. So they, they brought Sami Jukka Korvala from Seinäjoki, who was a, like a welcomed addition, even though he's not the fastest player or the best number one in the league. But one important thing is that Jani Lassila, in addition to being the pitcher, he played the role of the number one for years. And that is, that is something that takes a, takes a big toll of your performance, especially during these seasons. Where there's like you're playing three games a week all the time, and now they have the like the luxury luxury of keeping Lassila at number six or seven, and like sparing his energy to the pitching, and so I see the I, I see potential in this team, and they are not going to get a medal at the end of the season, but I see them as a playoff team, yeah, definitely at somewhere uh, at seventh or eighth. Well, I I sort of catastrophized about company last year. I just thought the worst for them when I heard um, the announcements pre uh, the season um, of some of the players who, um, due to COVID restrictions and, and, and difficulties, um, weren't able to play and they lost their, their game manager uh, in their build-up as well. I just thought, oh my God, they're just 
going to crumble. They're, you know, the things that they're building towards are, are all going to be for nothing. Um, and thank God there'll be no relegation. Um, but I was, I was so surprised when, when the season started that they, they actually managed to play incredibly well. And they were very entertaining. Uh, and one of the points you just mentioned there about um, La Silla, um filling that number one spot uh, last season uh, was one of the things that, that we talked about, and in particular as well, we talked about in terms of um, with uh, Kite. But of course, Kite had um, two uh, players who um, often filled the role as pitcher as well. So it wasn't as difficult for um, Jesse Eskalinen and, and things like that. Um, I think those are very helpful moves forward now for the team. They they built on, they stayed up. They had a bit of an experimental year, I suppose, last year, sort of testing the waters of, of how far they could go with what they had. Um, but uh, Antikorhonen is, is a massive signing for them. And when I saw, when I saw it, I thought, that that's probably the surprise signing. It's not necessarily that surprising, I suppose, but um, it, it was the, it was the one that really caught my eye and made me think about the draw that Kempele uh, has um, and the impact it's going to have. Maybe it's me being a little pessimistic again, thinking maybe the worst of things. Um, I've I've gone for them being down in tenth again, and I think that's probably the lowest that they could be. But equally, on any good day, if they stack up enough uh, runs and fix some of their outfield problems, they could be high up uh, in the top eight, maybe sixth, possibly even fifth. So th- th- there's a huge range um, of places that they could finish uh, come the end of this season, um, and. You know, we talked about it with some of some other teams from last season as well. Uh, that you know, obviously, teams like Sotkamo and Vimpele and and Yoansu, you, you expect them to be in that top four, and you'd be highly shocked if they had finished anywhere else. But with with Kempele, they could be pretty high, or they could be fairly low. Um. Like I say, I've gone pessimistic and said they'll finish in tenth. Just, uh, just one thing about them is that the the main thing for me for them as an organization and also as a team is to overcome the mentality of being the like the eternal underdog and actually take things into their own hands and start taking the whole thing forward. And now it's been like, I know they've been having the right kinds of signings and right kinds of talk, uh, like uh, right kinds of signals from the organization. And now it's all about like uh, the end product, the what actually happens on the pitch. With their roster, they're going to play a lot of uh, games that go to like extra innings and stuff like that. It's like, they are not consistent by uh, at this point, but they will they will get some surprise results uh, throughout the season. And the way that they uh, the way that they performed in Yoenso was like uh, for me it was a bit of a sign of things to come that I I don't see like at this moment, and this can be like in in one month this can be totally different, but. Uh, what I've seen from Hubinka, what I've seen from Kite, for example, so far, uh, they haven't produced anything better than than that. And I, I will be p- paying close attention when Hubinka comes to Johansson tomorrow to play. But I, I think that they are like roughly playing for the same spots in the end. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about the the sort of three <laughs> levels in uh, in the league, um, the top four or five, the scramble for the last uh, few playoff spots, and then those uh, struggling at the bottom. And I think they've they've firmly moved out of that bottom rung, 
uh, and they've they've done it by building their team as opposed to you know what we've seen with Mansa, which is just buying in um, players very rapidly. Um, but they they've been concentrating on building that team for some time, and it, it's a really exciting team to watch. I mean, we talked um, before about exciting <laughs> teams, but uh, Kempley really is that kind of exciting team to watch, and you just never know what's going to happen in those games. Um, Ron, I know that you um, have uh, Kempele down as finishing in 11th at, at the end of this season, um, and nothing really to add to, to what's been mentioned. Um, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one to see how it'll uh, play out. I think... Um, Kempley really are one of those teams that are really hard to judge exactly where they'll finish. Um, we'll only know when we get to the end of the season. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of the uh, podcast. Uh, join us on the next occasion where we finally get round to finishing our preview section um, and we'll finish off with the teams in the West. So I just want to say thank you to my uh, co-host, uh, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you. It was a pleasure as always. And Ron Bronson. Always a pleasure. And that just leaves me, your host, Ian Alba. Um, um, if you like what you've heard, then uh, please like or subscribe. Uh, if you want to know more, uh, then please uh, follow me on Twitter. That's uh, at SuperPesisR. Or you can read some of the articles that are on the blog. That's superpessisroundup.blogspot.com. And occasionally you'll see some guest posts from me on the Portolina website. So check out those coming out uh, every week as well. Uh, but for now, we'll see you soon. That's hidden far away Don't be 